You don't have to do balloons. You don't have to wear a wig. You do it your way. And if anybody gives you any problems, you give them my phone number and tell them to call me. Clowns have been around for as long as you can remember. Have you ever wondered what kind of person is behind all the makeup? Maybe you've even wondered why on earth someone would want to be a clown. Well, in this podcast, join your hosts, Jeremy Cohen and Lee Andrews, as they take a journey behind the red nose. Hello, gang. Welcome to this edition of Behind the Red Nose. I'm Jeremy, also known as Crispy. And I am Lee, also known as Louie. Today's special guest is none other than David Bartlett. Dave began his journey in clowning over 30 years ago as Mr. Rainbow. Not only is David one of the most sought-after professional clowns in the country, he is also one of the most famous balloon sculpture artists in North America. In 2008, he received the European Balloon Community's Lifetime Achievement Award at Millennium Jam in Mole, Belgium. He is also an award-winning director and actor appearing in well over 60 theatrical productions. He has even written, directed, and performed his own one-man show called In the Boots of St. Nick. Oh, and in case that didn't tell you, he's one of the best Santa Clauses in the country. Please sit back and relax as we go behind the red nose with David Bartlett, Mr. Rainbow. Hey! Well, hello there. Thank you so much for joining us today, and happy holidays. Now, before we start talking, for those of you who might be listening to this months or years from now, we're in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic and recording this from separate locations. And David, just wanted to quickly ask, how has this scary time affected you and your clowning? Oh, the clowning has completely, totally dried up. And I understand. I'm not in the mindset that everything's going to be the same. I'll give you an example. Uh, Balloons. Take balloons. I've been blowing up balloons by mouth for 40 years now. I don't think that's going to fly when we get around to clowning again. I don't think that's going to fly. So I'm going to have to buy a pump (laughs) and learn how to use one. (laughs) I'm also thinking... I'm probably going to have to learn how to do all this twisting with gloves on. So uh, I'm, I'm already planning ahead as to what uh, non-tactile clowning is going to look like and how I'm going to adjust. And uh, which brings me to my ukulele. Um, and I've been doing a lot of work on the ukulele during my alone time uh, because uh, I remember, you know, this is very much like uh, the years, the 22 years I did hospital clowning. Um, uh, the, the ukulele, uh, nobody touches it. They listen, they hear, they love it. They, and But even then in the hospital, a lot of times it was from a distance uh, without uh, any any touches or anything. So I'm going to be going back to the future. So, but you're using the downtime to, to grow in some stuff. Like your ukulele songs and your ukulele play, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I put I put a uh, I put a, if you listen to this years from now, um, if I'm around, um, that that one of the first during one of the first weeks of of uh, confinement. No, no, it's confinement. What's it called? Social distancing. That's that's the thing. Uh, social distancing. I, I I wrote a song about it, and it got what so what sixteen thousand hits um, on on uh, Facebook. If there is a Facebook out there in the future, um, so and it was it was a thing about social distancing. And by the way, it's well over forty thousand views. By the way, but uh, okay, I want to shift gears for a second, Dave, because I know this story, but but others uh, may not. Um, can you tell us 
how did you got into clowning, acting, and ballooning? Which came first? Give us some of your backstory. Uh, my wife had signed me up for a balloon art class. I tried not to go. I thought it was the stupidest thing she'd ever done. Um, I didn't want to go. I tried to get our money back. And uh, no, you had to, unless it got canceled. So <laughs> grudgingly, I went to this balloon art class. So I took the balloons that, they get, that we had from the class back home. And I started playing with them. I just learned how to blow them up myself. So uh, then my kids started liking it. And I said, okay. And they were like one and three at the time. So I went in and bought some more balloons. And I brought them back and I started doing it. And then I bought some more balloons. And the guy at the store said, uh, you never buy anything else. I said, no. He said, uh, well, how do, you make, how do you learn how to make balloons? I said, I make them up myself. He went, oh, really? And he pulled out a bag and said, show me some. So I showed him some of the stuff I made up myself. And uh, next thing I know, I'm getting calls because he's giving my name out to people who call his shop. <laughs> oh, and, okay. Wait, 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 wait. I looked at my wife. I said, there's money in this? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And then a uh, little, little ways down the road, I got a job for, for Belk's, a department store. They hired me. They heard about balloons. So they hired me. They called and hired and uh, I said, uh, I was talking with my wife. I said, I really don't want to do this as myself. So that's when we started about what else. So we decided, oh, how about a clown? Okay, I could do that. I could do that. That would be that would hide me, and that was fine. And then we started thinking of a name. And back then, uh, you know, Rainbow was didn't have any of the connotations or anything that it had that it came to have. Uh, which, by the way, I don't care. <laughs> it never, never bothered me at the, uh, the people who picked up the rainbow as their things. So I got this job, and it was, and it was rainbow we liked. And then my wife, uh, my wife and her family used to call, call adults by their first name, but say Mister or Miss this, Miss Jody, Mister Jack, that kind of thing. And so we thought, oh, Mister Rainbow, I like that, I like that. So we got Mister Rainbow. So now Mister Rainbow. Um, is uh, is named and has a, a look that that did the job. So now I'm in the clowning. Well, okay. So so now I'm going to ask you this. That wasn't enough for you. You want more? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I got I got to ask this question. So we figured out Mr. Rainbow. Right. Right. Um, did you have any inspirations for that? Any specific clowns in the early days? Anybody that helped teach you stuff? Okay, first off, uh, growing up, uh, clowns were not anything in my radar. So I didn't grow up, uh, like you, with clowning being one of the primary things growing up. Uh, no, I didn't. I don't remember clowns from the circus. I don't remember anything like that. Um, by the time I even knew they were, uh, uh, there were conventions and other things going on, um, I, I would... I, and, I, and I finally went to one, I realized I had surpassed everything they were teaching there because the audience taught me everything I needed to know. Uh, they wanted to be there to laugh. <laughs> okay, I don't care what I do, make them laugh. And this was long before I added music to my thing. And then uh, even when I'm doing the balloons, make them laugh while I'm doing balloons the whole time. So, so that, that's, that's kind of what they demanded. It's what they expected. So that's what I learned to give to him. So looking back at the first time you put on makeup, what was that like for you? I'm thinking, I hope this works. <laughs> I, 
I had I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I, I I'm sure I, I I don't remember looking things up, but just uh, you know, just get a, I, I know what a clown's face looks like. So uh, I, that's that's what I did, and it, it didn't change all that much over the years. A little bit around the edges. It used to be a little sharper on the muzzle or area. Uh, now it's very rounded. Of course, then again, it fits in with my fat cheeks and my double chin. <laughs> so I, I know a few things that I've noticed evolve with Mr. Rainbow over time. One of the recent biggest things that I've noticed is costuming. Because if you, if you haven't had the chance of seeing Mr. Rainbow, he's, he's very well known for, in the, in the early days, his, his overalls. Simplicity. Um, simplicity. Yeah. So from that, from, from those first moments, how has Rainbow evolved and, and have you seen anything in the art of clowning change? Oh, that's, that's two different things, but okay. The, the, the evolution of the way I look. Okay. The overalls were there because I didn't want to have to worry about uh, a kid with dirty hands. If they wanted to come mm-hmm. up and, and touch me, let them touch me. It's overalls. And they weren't ornate either. The first the first pairs I had, I didn't put any colors on them. They were white overalls, just plain white. And um, I remember <laughs> that used to blow people's minds uh, for many years. It ain't the costume. It ain't the makeup. It's the clown. So that, but that simplicity has been something you've had from pretty much day one. Yes. Um, you know, you've never overcomplicated things. It's always been cut and dry, black and white. The clown is clown. This is the way it is. Yes. Um, and and your goal has always been for the funny, and you do quite well at that. But in, in all this time that you've been doing this, mm-hmm. how have you seen the art of clowning change? What what have you seen change? What and what 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 are some concerns? What are some likes? What have what have you got going on in the in the David Bartlett brain? I think there's more people are understanding. This is you know finally <laughs> what I've been teaching all. I've been I've been a lone voice out there in the woods for a long long time uh, with, uh, with 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 stuff and uh, um, they're kind of getting now that no I don't have to wear a wig. No, I don't have to. Uh, you, you'd be shocked at how many people I say, you don't have to do balloons. What? What? But my alley says, screw your alley. <laughs> <laughs> I have said those quote unquote. Um, I have people who said, but I have to do this. And I go, why? That's, gr- that's great. Because it's in the rules. What rules? Where are these rules? Can you show me those rules? I've told people, I, I used to do this thing where I did mentoring, where I would just, I would go down to an, an alley or an area, and I'd just take a person for an hour, 45 minutes to an hour, or two people, 45 minutes to an hour. And what's, what's your problem? What are you having trouble with? And, uh, and we'd, we'd chat. And uh, what, they were honestly looking for somebody's permission to do things the way they wanted and I, I would say this. I, I would say this. I first, when I first time I used this line, um, I thought it was funny. I said, um, "Look, you do it your way, and if anybody gives you any problems, 
you give them my phone number and tell them to call me. Because I, <laughs> I said you could do it. And I thought, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But the relief on their faces. And that's why when I, when I, when I, when I tell the people who are, and I, and I talk to them too. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk this over with anybody. But I tell people who uh, used to run the, the uh, clubs with an iron fist. And uh, they, I would say, they think these competition rules are the rules of clowning. That's what they tell me. Oh, no, they don't. I'm saying, yes, they do. And you are complicating things and you are tying them up in knots because they would take this look to a competition and get nailed. It nailed for the way they look and they'd feel terrible about themselves. Did anybody ever see if they could make somebody laugh? No. Your, your white face is not the thing. You need to, uh, this is brushed up and no, no, a white face wouldn't act that way. A clown acts any way they wanna act and it has nothing to do with the makeup. I'm sorry, you got me on a hot spot now. No, 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 this is great. And for those listeners that don't know, uh, what David has just described, if a clown goes to a, a larger international organization uh, to compete, uh, those are the set of rules that are written down in a book written by someone 35 years ago uh, that that are absolutely, in my opinion, uh, ridiculous. By golly, if you're a white face, you have to act this way. If you have your, uh, if you're a, a goose, you have to act this way. If you're this, you have to act this way. No, 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 no. Because to tell you the truth, the audience doesn't care. They don't care about these differentiations. They see clown, they think funny. And if it's not because, oh, I'm sorry, I'm, a, I'm more of a white-faced clown. I'm the, well, as, well, okay, a white-faced clown working within a goose, now you've got the straight man, comic man, but a white-faced clown going out <laughs> and trying to be that traditional white-faced. And the, the ones who have the, the tough time, it's not impossible, are the ones who uh, are the... Uh, the tramp clowns. Yeah, just what you look look at that non-communicative, the silent tramp clowns. Look at that non-communicative morose man. Here, children, go play with him. <laughs> uh, it's not insurmountable. I've seen people do it, but it's a tough row to let's let's stop looking at what somebody else has up there as a historical thing and go to you. How do you feel? How is your makeup going to help you get your laughs and get your communication done? Uh, and the makeup, if the makeup's in the way, and this is the thing about that you say, what's, what's going, what's uh, going on these days. Thankful, thankfully is, um, the, the people are more aware that kids grow up and they're scared of clowns. They're not scared of clowns. They're scared of makeup. They're scared of the big, broad makeup. Because you take it off and do the exact same thing, ask Louie, they respond just as well. And then they'll come up and kind of say, are you really a clown? I'll say, yeah, but I forgot to get dressed this morning. <laughs> and then, then they laugh. I said, I looked down, thank goodness I have clothes. 
so the whole dependence upon uh, your makeup as your identity um, is, is, is getting better. And, and this is fascinating. Uh, people find that this is another thing they find fascinating about me is that, okay, and I would say this uh, and, and clown things for the last 30 years I've been saying, listen, um, I, I would love to sell you a balloon video. I got 19 VHSs and 10 DVDs of balloon stuff. But it can be the most destructive thing you add to your clowning because you have to control it. And if you don't control it, it will destroy your clowning. And they're like, wow, wow, I thought you had to do balloons. No, 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 don't do it unless you have to because it'll, it'll ruin your clowning. It'll ruin your clowning because everybody wants a balloon. That's it. That's the, their, their focus is on the balloon and the line gets longer. And the line gets longer, and you have to get faster. And they don't want to hear your jokes. They don't want to hear your other things. They just want that dadgum balloon. So, so if you're going to pick up balloons, you should know that's the battle. And you have to be excellent at line control. You have to commit yourself to saying, I'm going to make this the most funnest thing. And here's the other thing is when I, I've been in there, and I, I, only do, I narrow it down to like three balloons. I can do hundreds of balloons. I'm famous for balloons, but they may, I may be in a place and I only may do three different balloons because that's what the crowd's like. But the one thing I won't stop is talking and chatting and fooling while I'm doing it. That's the one thing I will not give up on. And then kids get their balloons and they won't leave. Their parents say, come on, come on. They go, no, no, no. I want to hang around here. <laughs> And I would look at you. Not, you're not getting another balloon. They said, yeah, I know. But they won't leave because it's just fun to be around. There's no telling what I'm going to say. So building off of all of this, you've written books, you've taught. Yeah. And now I've seen some of the videos of Facebook in the last few weeks. And you obviously have musical chops as well. Can you <laughs> tell us about your musical interests and why the ukulele? And how do you come up with all these great parody songs? Uh, for 20 years... I didn't play the ukulele. I played a thing called an omnichord, which was designed specifically for uh, hospital music therapists. Um, and it's a it's a it's an oddball instrument. It's like an uh, uh, it's like an electronic auto harp. And I and I did that. Um, I bought the first omnichord at a store going out of business. It looked interesting, and it was ninety percent off. So now you have my attention. <laughs> and then I got it and it sat around for two years until I had this desire to do something other than balloons. So I pulled it out and I learned just enough to do one half of one song. Because here's another thing I'd realized by then. Um, if you don't know any funny songs, do songs funny. So the first song I ever did was uh, Honeysuckle Rose, which in itself is not a funny song. But when, it does, when you do it with a whole different intent, like you're, like you're coming on to uh, a 60-year-old lady, <laughs> you go, Every honeybee. Fills with jealousy. 
When they see you out with me, I don't blame them, goodness knows, honeysuckle rose. And when I said rose, I would just leave my lips out hanging like I'm looking for a kiss. And then they'd laugh and walk away. And I thought to myself, it worked. (laughs) (laughs) And so uh, the the whole thought about doing just a part of a song, that's a George Burns thing. You know, I, I do a lot of study of old guys. George Burns used to just sing parts of songs and then move on to another one. So I would look I would look for songs that had um, just a little bit of something that I could uh, uh, I could I could just make funny, even though it wasn't inherently funny. And then I just started making up songs, parodies and parodies are the easiest ones to make up because you already know the music. So I would just kind of say, and it got me in big trouble one time because stuff stuff came out of my mouth that really was not appropriate. So I said, okay, <laughs> be really careful about that. And then, uh, and then eventually, uh, one day, uh, I <laughs> here's one of the, I do a song called "There's a Hole in the Bottom of My Nose." There's uh, uh, it's uh, everywhere I go, everywhere I go, somebody asks me to sing that song. Or asks me, please do not sing that song. Can you sing us a little bit of the song? Oh, sure. Well, let me tell you how it started. I'm, at, I'm doing a birthday party, and this one kid sits just uh, just right at my feet. And he's looking up. And I'm looking, I'm looking down, and he, so he's a little too close, but what the heck. And then he goes, hey, there's a hole in the bottom of your nose. So I look down, and I just... There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose, which is kind of kind of like a hole in the bottom of the sea, but not. It's close. It's a little different. Um, and then I stopped and I went. There's a hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose, and then I stopped. And then I went on with the party. But when I got back to the car, I went, "Oh my, oh my!" So I started working on that song, and it goes like this. Okay. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's some icky sticky yucky ooey gooey in the hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. There's some icky sticky yucky ooey gooey in the hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a booger in the middle of the icky sticky yucky ooey gooey in the hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a booger in the middle of the icky sticky yucky ooey gooey in the hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. There's a hole. There's a hole. There's a hole in the bottom of my nose. Now it's half over there. That's only half. But I want to stop right there to talk about looking for laughs, always looking for laughs. Um, when I did that, it went from hole in the bottom of my nose to hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose and then went to booger in the hair in the hole in the bottom of my nose. And I thought that should be a really get a lot of laughs. It didn't. It didn't because everybody expected it. I kept watching people's reaction, and then it occurred to me that, you know, I see them preparing, oh, no, it's going to be, and then I did, and gave them exactly what they thought. They went, oh, uh, you did it. So they were preparing. They were getting themselves girded for booger. So I thought, I have to do something other than booger there. 
So then I went, icky, sticky, yucky, ooey, gooey. And then I noticed that the people who were kind of preparing for icky or for booger or something that bad, I said, icky, sticky, yucky, ooey, gooey. They started relaxing. They started relaxing. And they started laughing there going, oh, oh, that's how he's going to do it. Oh, good. That's fine. And now they're, they're waving their head again. And then the next thing goes, there's a booger in there. And then you should see their faces. <laughs> you... You, you, you got me. Oh, you son of a gun. <laughs> so that's, so it's, it's a matter of um, what you have to want. If you want to con continue to progress in clowning and get to the best possible place you can be, the thing you have to want more than anything else in the world is laughter. And if you are motivated 100% by laughter, then you will never be satisfied because if you get a giggle, you're going to want to guffaw. If you get a guffaw, you're going to want to snort. And you're going to keep working on your material until you are really getting great laughter on your stuff. And that's the motivator. If that's your motivator, you're going to be a great clown. Hey, David. Yeah. So this is a great segue for this uh -oh. because we, we've got some questions from listeners. And, People are listening? Uh, yeah, of course. Of course. And uh, this first one is from uh, a fellow named Alex Pravda. And he says, with all these great memories that you have, uh, can you give us one horror story from your time of performing? I broke a kid's leg. What? <laughs> wow. That was a bomb. I wasn't expecting that one. Okay. <laughs> no, I broke a kid's leg. In, uh, in, in, I mean, no, it wasn't just a minor break. This was a really bad break. Um, I was doing a, uh, an Easter picnic for uh, UNC Hospital. And I had done it for many, many years. Um, and then so they said, okay, let's, let's do the throw out the candy up at the top there. So I'm going through this, and, and they had these, uh, these levels where you sit on, like, these, these stones. And then you go up and there's grass and then some more stones. Um, and I'm climbing up there, but they're, they're kind of like two feet. So I'm, I'm, I just go up. And uh, I've done it before many times. But I'm going up and then I felt a tug behind me while I'm trying to, well, I'm, you know, I'm a big guy. And I'm, going, I'm trying to get this, this up this, this step, this two-foot step. And I, I'm going up, and there's this tug behind me, and I go backwards. And I look, and I see this little boy's head getting ready to hit the stairs, the rock behind him. And I reach out, and I, I kind of get my head there. And I thought, okay, I've, I've, uh, I've um, uh, escaped that. But I fell on a little girl, and her, her leg was completely twisted in an odd ball direction. And I saw that. And of course, the hospital, it's a hospital picture. There's people there. And I'm looking at the girl and she's crying and I'm kind of holding her head so she can't see. And I said, okay, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, and so the, the hospital people took care of her. Now, um, I, I knew people who worked at the hospital. And, and I had to go. I had to go do another party after this was over. I'm like, oh, my God. 
am I going to recover? So then I just started calling the hospital. I called my people at the hospital, find out, find out, find out, find out. And the, 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 the parents were kind of upset that I'd left. But then the other people at the hospital said, oh, he's been calling. He's driving us crazy with these calling. So uh, she was at the hospital for a while. Then I found out she was coming home. Uh, and I, I asked, I called the parents. I said, would it be okay if I came over? And they said, yes. So thank God, you know, no, no harm, no foul uh, there. Um, accidents happen. Um, so uh, she's in, up to her bedroom, and she's got this cast up to her waist. So I, um, I made two buttons, one for her, one for me, that says, watch out for falling clowns. <laughs> uh, and, 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 it went, and it went well. Now, let's skip probably five, six years later. Let's say five years later. Um, I'm doing an artist in residency thing at an elementary school, and I'm working with this five, fifth grade classroom. This girl comes up to me and she said, remember me? I said, no. She said, you broke my leg. <laughs> I went, wow. And then she pulled her sock down, and there was this huge, this huge scar all the way up and down her leg. So that's that's question, what's the worst thing that's ever happened to me? Yeah, that's it. So Jeff Gerst heard, heard our shows about the Joker and, 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 and Pennywise and was wondering what your thoughts are on the popularity of scary clowns. And we have a follow-up question. How do you approach someone and how do you interact with someone who may be afraid of clowns? So what do you think about the popularity and how do you approach someone who is possibly afraid of clowns? Well, you're, you're never going to stop the popularity of, of, of horror uh, things, and everybody gets picked on. I don't know why we should feel like we're so different when everybody gets picked on. Uh, you know, every a policeman turn into vampires. Uh, religious people get turned into murderers. Uh, you know, it, it's, hey, what goes around comes around. Um, now, Here's the thing about Pennywise. Little kids don't see these. They don't stay. I, I did lose a gig one time a long time ago when a parent showed uh, the, the first one. How long ago was the Tim Curry one? Uh, long ago. Showed, and then came back and said, I can't bring a clown into the house. I showed him this. And I'm thinking, what kind of idiot are you? <laughs> but most of the time, um, they don't see him. Uh, so... You no, know, I, I I remember uh, what was what was the what was the one uh, Bobcat Goldthwait did the name of that movie Sh shakes the clown. I thought that was hilarious. I thought that, <laughs> but but these but these cl these clown groups, especially the ones who are the holier than thou clowns and the and the clowns clowns are angels with red noses. Yeah, but are they funny? <laughs> Um, and how dare they, how dare they make fun of us? We're, we're, uh, uh, we should be above and beyond this. Really? Really? Clowns, clowns historically make their bones making fun of other people. And all of a sudden we're above this. Uh, come on, just get over it. Um, so, and then I found out, uh, you know, people don't, the kids don't see them. And then, then there's the ones who are scared and, 
let's let's divide them into two groups. There are people who are absolutely legitimately scared for reasons they do not even understand. But if you walk in front of them, they their 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 face goes pale. There's sweat. It's a physical reaction they have no control over. Whether they know you or not, had a friend who was scared, and she was trying to desensitize herself, but wow, she never got beyond just knowing I was in the room, even, even though you know it wasn't an accident. I was there, and she's, and her breathing is going, and, and she's sweating, and she's trying, and she's so embarrassed by it, but it's nothing you could do. Are you scared of snakes? The sight of a snake makes people go freaky. So there, let's defend, let's, okay. Then you have the ones who are, Wee! you know, the teenage girls are, I'm so scared. Oh! And then everybody's making fun of them. And uh, I usually are I'm on their side. I'm with you. <laughs> I can't believe these other people aren't scared of clowns either. Come on, when you grew up, what did your parents tell you? Stay away from strangers, right? You see anybody stranger looking at me? And yet everybody wants to go you to come over here. You're the only smart one here. And then sometimes, you know, these teenage boys will grab girls and race them towards me. And I will, I will say, well, do you even like her? <laughs> are, what are you doing to her? Do you even like her? You've got to pick better friends. But, but I, accept, I, I, I accept their fear. I accept their fear and reinforce their fear. But while I'm doing that, they start calming down and go, okay, because he's making sense and he's telling them how stupid they are, but he's doing it in a nice way. Um, and then they, you know, I get a lot of, uh, I, my kids are scared of clowns, but, but not you. You're the only, you're the only clown they're not scared of. Oh, okay. Well, that's because we're on the same side. Great. <laughs> now you shared an extraordinary amount today. And I'm so appreciative of everything that you've given us on this show. I have one final question, though, and you've touched on this a little bit earlier, but what would you say is the difference between a good clown and a great clown? A great clown entertains all. Good clowns can entertain, but they, a lot of them have their, their, you know, you find somebody who says, I can do, I can entertain children. Why not uh, teenagers? Well, they're scared of teenagers. I go right after teenagers. I go right after them. Um, and and uh, every age, every situation. If you can see yourself providing humor, humorous uh, services, well-needed humor, humorous services to any situation, and you can and you can do that, you are a great clown. You are a great clown. Uh, going around, um, I remember going around uh, uh, New Orleans after the after the floods, and I wasn't even dressed as a clown, but it was a clown. The clown uh, convention was down there. I didn't even bring a costume, but then when they uh, when it came down to going out and doing some clowning around people, you know, they just kind of looked at me and said, "Have you got a song?" <laughs> 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 yeah, I got a song, and I remember one time doing something at an old laugh makers thing, and they and this was this was very disappointing to me, is they brought in people from town, and everybody was all dressed up, and I didn't, 
I'm just watching because I'm thinking I'm here to learn. And everybody said, and then nobody's nobody's clowning for the kids. Nobody's clowning for anybody. Nobody's talking to anybody else. They're in these little groups of people, and then they just stop and wave and this. So I just did what I normally do. I just turned myself on, and I'm not even in costume. And everybody's hanging around me. All these people start coming up to me and hanging around. Um, so I, I ended up doing a lot of clowning then. So a great clown, I don't care what situation you put them in, they will find a way to bring the humor. David, I, I'm going to close it out today because we've taken up a lot of your time. But I want to tell everyone that there, uh, there have been quite a few people who have, who have helped me in, in my life, uh, in clowning and in personal life. Uh, but there have been none like you, uh, David. And, and I consider David to be my clown Yoda. And, and not only that, but just a, a truly a clown's clown and a great friend. And I can't thank you enough for doing this podcast for us today. And uh, you are just uh, truly one of the most incredible humans on earth. And I love you. So thank you so much. You're welcome. And Jeremy, one of these days we'll meet. Sounds good. Thank you so much. It really was a pleasure. We want a song to go out? Do it. Do it. Okay. I love to play the ukulele. The ukulele. I love to play the ukulele. Well, it might have been caused by some kind of a viral disease, but my very first words were, my dog has fleas. And now I play ukulele. Ukulele. I remember the day I told my dad, I said, Dad, I want to grow up and I want to play a ukulele. Well, my daddy just laughed and said, son, you can't do both. <laughs> he said, do you know the difference between a ukulele and an onion? I said, no, dad, what could it be? He said, well, son, nobody cries when you chop up a ukulele. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much. <laughs> that was awesome. Okay, bye. <laughs>